When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good Risings. I'm Jackie. And I'm Brian. And this is Grateful Grains. Welcome back. This week, we've been exploring a few of the most common types of anxiety. We know a lot of people out there suffer silently. A lot of people respond to anxiety by trying to suppress it or ignore it. And the bottom line is that really doesn't work. In fact, that can make it a lot worse. Our goal in having these conversations is that folks who haven't really necessarily taken the time to examine what's going on internally might hear something they relate to. They might recognize some symptoms they've been struggling with and potentially identify the specific kind of pain they're experiencing so that they can better understand their path to healing. From my personal experience, if you can be specific about the type of pain you're experiencing, you're far more likely to discover the root of it. And if you know the root of it, you understand a little bit better what's causing your distress, what's causing your social anxiety, what's causing your relational anxiety, what's causing your panic. Then you can begin to understand where and how to do the work. Our conversations are always based on our own personal experiences, our close friends and family's experiences, and the things we've learned in our journey of healing and growth. If you're experiencing severe anxiety of any kind, we highly recommend seeking out the help of a trained professional. Right. If you've reached a point where whatever it is you're struggling with has become unbearable, if it's affecting you on a daily basis, if it's not something you can or should be managing on your own, reach out to a professional and get a helping hand. There's nothing shameful about it, and it doesn't have to be forever. Okay, so the anxiety we're exploring today is OCD and intrusive thoughts. This is an interesting one because the vast majority of the population, 90% according to the OCD and Anxiety Center experience some form of intrusive thought. It's things like imagining swerving your car into incoming traffic, images of hurting a loved one, thoughts of catching diseases, impulses to do something shameful, or thoughts of leaving an appliance running and causing a flood or fire. Right. And in all honesty, I'd imagine it's actually 100% of the population that experiences some form of random thought like that. The difference in that 10% is that they don't identify the intrusive thoughts as intrusive. They're likely simply familiar with the process of the human mind. They see the thoughts come, they see them go, they accept them with no labels and move on. The difference between when an intrusive thought becomes an issue, as far as anxiety is concerned, is when we obsess over it, when we latch onto it, when we experience guilt or shame as a result. It's our response to the intrusive thought that has the impact on us. Yes, and that's obsessive compulsiveness. Like all the other forms of anxiety this week, obsessive compulsive behavior is a part of our body's natural response to prior trauma. It is a defense mechanism built in to protect us. Our minds turn to constant analysis to keep us safe. We all second-guess whether we turned off the stove. The suffering begins when we can't stop second-guessing, when we check over and over again, and when we make a habit of leaving wherever we are or whatever we're doing in order to go home to make sure the stove is off. Doctor of Psychology Ashley Butterfield writes for the OCD and Anxiety Center, The primary difference between intrusive thoughts that occur in the presence of clinical anxiety 
and those that do not is the way these thoughts are being appraised. Individuals with clinical anxiety are more likely to judge their intrusive thoughts as bad, immoral, or dangerous. Such interpretations generally lead to emotional activation, which increases the perceived strength of the intrusive thoughts, which then increases the level of focus upon the thought. People with clinical anxiety are also more likely to spend more time thinking about the implications of these thoughts and take measures to attempt to prevent the feared potential consequences from occurring. Furthermore, they are more likely to overestimate the probability of experiencing these feared outcomes. People without clinical anxiety are more apt to dismiss such thoughts as out of character and go on about their day. Others may suggest that people struggling with intrusive thoughts distract themselves, get their mind off of these thoughts, or just simply don't worry about them. While this advice may be well-intentioned, adherence is generally not feasible in the presence of clinical anxiety. It is also not supported by research. Thought suppression, or attempts to otherwise banish a thought, tends to have a boomerang effect. No matter how hard you try to push them away, they continue to make their way back into your consciousness. However, because such thoughts are distressing, many people reflexively try to suppress or get rid of them to no avail. In the presence of anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorders, intrusive thoughts should especially not be suppressed, but rather they should be examined, confronted, and worked through. This is the approach embedded within cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure and response prevention. By learning how to systematically come into contact with intrusive thoughts, individuals can learn to effectively address these intrusions in ways that provide much more than temporary relief offered by thought suppression, compulsive rituals, checking behaviors, and or frequent confessing and apologizing. In essence, these treatments will decrease both the frequency and the power of intrusive thoughts. Combined together, CBT and ERP can reverse the cycle between intrusive thoughts, misappraisals, emotional activation, or distress and compulsive behaviors. Cognitive behavioral therapy with a licensed practitioner is often necessary. Sometimes prescribed medication is too. Many practitioners also recommend meditation, cultivating awareness, grounding, acupuncture, exercise, supplementation, and a diet low in sugar, alcohol, and caffeine. All those things in combination are even better. We know treatment can often seem expensive or out of reach, but publicly funded programs are available in most places. If you're struggling financially, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration will help you find low-cost or no-cost treatment. You can call them at 1-800-622-HELP. That's 1-800-622-4357. So, our question today, how much credit do you give your intrusive thoughts? Do you take them too seriously? Has it affected your day-to-day -day life? If you're interested in sharing, we'd love to hear from you. We welcome you to comment or message us through the Good Risings Instagram page at Good Risings. And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. You can find me at B. McMuffin. Thanks for listening to Grateful Grains. Be sure to check out the other Good Risings offerings available in our feed. We will see you again tomorrow for our final day in our week on anxiety. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio.